This is Sid Roth saying, Shalom Mishpacha. Mishpacha is a Hebrew word. It means family. And we're the Mishpacha, the family with a Jewish heart. Welcome to today's edition of Messianic Vision and another appointment for you to be mentored to fulfill your destiny with one of our It's Supernatural guests. And now, here's your host for this program, It's Supernatural television producer, Ryan Bruss. Thank you, Sid. Today on Messianic Vision, our guest is Mario Marillo. And Mario, I've always uh, admired your heart after God and your passion. I've been, not to date you, but I've been following you for years. Let's just put it that way. And I thank you for your fire. I thank you for the presence of God that you carry. And, and you've always been one to just go for it. And, and you have a brand new book, Vessels of Glory and Fire. And you did a three CD set for us about your supernatural calling. And, and Mario, you're, you're here to tell people, listen, you have a part to play. There, there, there's a job for you to do in the kingdom. You have a supernatural calling and let's get to it. Is that, is that basically in a nutshell? Well, brother, you're preaching. (laughs) Great. The book is about a select group of people who are restless, overwhelmed by knowing that there are urgings that can't be explained in the natural. They're getting ready for something. God is recruiting individuals from all walks of life to turn this nation around. Because America was founded on a miracle, God will not let it go down without a miracle. And the key verse that overwhelms me is it says in a great house, there are vessels not only of of stone and, and wood, but of gold. And that he that separates himself from these will be a vessel. And that verse really hit me, vessels of fire and glory. And I believe that's and the, the people out there who are listening are going to recognize who they are because this cord is going to strike them. You know, I'm one of those people that have been set aside by the Lord for a great and inexplicable miracle. Now, let me ask you, Mario, you talk about being a vessel of fire and of glory, and I'm, you're obviously talking about believers. You're talking about Christians. How, just right off the bat, how does one start to become a vessel of fire in the glory of God? In, in, what, what is your heart on that? My heart is this, that we have severely limited the army of God because they tend to go to church, sit, and listen to someone speak. And while that's valid and even biblical, there's another level where people realize that the pastor or the minister has got no exclusivity on the anointing in every walk of life. It belongs on campus, it belongs in retail, it belongs in government, it belongs in entertainment. And Daniel was not an ordained minister, but yet he rose in the most pagan empire to the second man of power and exerted the purposes of God over a king. That is a model for us today because America has been perverted America has been taken over, and God wants to use people supernaturally and uniquely. But Mario, you you work with a lot over the years, thousands of drug addicts, uh, now former drug addicts, former prostitutes, and gang members, and religious people. How does how does in this tw- uh, 21st century, how does somebody 
say, you know what, I am forgiven, but the, all that past, I've, I've just, I have a horrible past. How can I be used of God? How can I be a vessel of fire and glory when I got all this stuff in my past? I love the Lord and I have repented, but my life has been a mess. A beautiful question. The best answer is Paul the Apostle, who at a given point was so haunted by the murder and the imprisonment and even what haunted him was that he held on to everyone's coat while they were stoning Stephen. But by the power of God, he turned a negative into a plus. I call those people wounded healers. Mm. Paul said, I was more zealous than all of the rest of them because I was more glaringly aware of the mercy and grace that worked in me. It, it, it's a catalyst. Someone's past becomes a catalyst, not only because they can say, you know, I know, and even Jesus referred to this with Mary Magdalene, when he said, you know, when I came in the room, none of you washed my feet, none of you anointed my head, but this woman who is forgiven much, loves much. And that's the very power of people that anyone listening, your, your past becomes a catalyst to go even to a higher level than you've ever imagined. That is so good. And uh, Mario, let's talk a little bit more about your backstory. You were saved at the age of 15. Uh, briefly tell us how you became born again and filled with the Spirit. I was uh, going to a riot-torn campus in San Francisco during the turbulent 60s. And I tell people San Francisco was like a giant dock, and there were these boats leaving. One was leftist radicalism. The other was the hippie love culture. <laughs> and the third was this unpromising little seed called the Jesus movement. And I was confronted by a young man on campus, and he said, uh, you're a coward because you won't go to church. Wow. Investigated Marxism, but you're not intellectually honest. And I looked at him and I said, you know what, if I go to your church, I'm going to see a a huddled handful of old people sitting in the church and something totally irrelevant. But I'll come. So I went. When I went, I was right about this, the optics. <laughs> it was a huddled group of old people with the most bizarre and shocking contradiction. A team straight from New York Teen Challenge with David Wilkerson they were there giving their testimony, and they said something that if you're from the inner city, you know it's crazy. I was on heroin, they said, and I got off. Now, I had never used drugs, but I knew that that was impossible. I knew junkies were once a junkie, always a junkie. And their testimony was so powerful. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice, Ryan, and that voice said, I want you to preach the gospel. And I thought, I don't even know what that is. You're lucky that I'm in this building. <laughs> and suddenly, the convicting tractor beam of God pulled me out of my seat. October the 4th, 1964, at approximately 8.45, I was struck by the lightning-converting power of God. And it was six months later that I found out about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I became such an avid soul winner that prior to receiving the baptism, 
I had led 14 of my classmates to the Lord the first month that I was converted. Wow. You couldn't be around me. I was like, then I read in the Bible that if you uh, were filled with the Spirit, you'd be a witness. And I wanted it, and I received it under David Duplessy, who was doing a rally in downtown San Francisco. And I was sitting in a chair backstage with those who came forward. And he began to explain how to receive. When I was interrupted, feeling like I was no longer in that room, and I felt like a leaf in a hurricane, and suddenly this language exploded out of my mouth. And I, 40 minutes later, which people told me it was 40 minutes, for me it felt like about two minutes. I was so overwhelmed by the Spirit. And it was after that that I knew that God wanted me on the Radical University campus at Berkeley, that he had, he had called me to those students. But it, that's how I was saved, and that's how I was filled with the Spirit. And ever since then, Mario, you have been an avid soul winner, going after God, preaching the gospel, and and that's really—and even recently, uh, if, if my timing is right here, and even recently the Lord has called you back to even doing tent ministry. You know, it, it was so amazing. Someone gave us a tent worth uh, about $100,000. Then they gave us a thousand chairs that came out of a, the an NFL stadium. When that arrived at my house, I stared at it in panic because two semi trucks came to my house, and the verse that haunted me was, "See if I won't open the windows of heaven, <laughs> blessing you don't have room to contain." That's right. And I had nowhere to put it, but then the Lord opened the door to put up the tent in Fresno, California. Fresno has one of the most violent gangs in the world. These are people that MS-13 is afraid of. Wow. And this gang has no leadership. Some of them show off by trying to assault or kill police officers. We went in there and put up the tent, and they told us nobody was going to show up. And God miraculously filled the tent, began to heal the sick. And I'll quickly tell you one testimony. I'll make it quick. Young man named Joe. He's driving on the freeway. He is a heroin addict. His parents introduced him to heroin. He's going to his pizza parlor job, which is about all he can do besides being an addict. He looks at the tent and hears a voice say, get in that tent. So he pulls over and calls his boss. Can't come to work today. I got to be in this tent. His boss says, if you don't show up, you're fired. He said, well, then I'm fired. He comes into the tent. The tent was full one hour early. He had come two hours early. He's sitting there waiting for the thing to start. The Holy Spirit is wrecking me. I'm wondering, what's wrong with me? God said, there's something I need you to do, and before you do anything else, you're going to do this. I walk in. I see the young man. The worship is over, and I said, I walk up to him. I said, young man, stand up. I said, you are addicted to heroin, aren't you? He said, yes, sir. I said, and you have hepatitis C, you have kidney failure, and you have liver damage. He said, yes, sir, I do. 
I said, well, right now, you're being delivered of a demon of addiction, and this thing came out of him. Mm. Then the Lord said, now, I'm healing his body. He was instantly healed. Then I, the Holy Spirit said, lead him in the sinner's prayer. I did it. After I was done, I turned away like any good evangelist to do a little victory march and <laughs> said, where are you going? You're not done yet. I turn around, put my hand on top of his head, and I said, son, something's going to come up out of your belly. God's going to fill you with the Holy Spirit right now. And he began to quake, and the most beautiful language came out of him. In five minutes, he had gone from a demon-possessed heroin addict to a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. Wow. Amen. Amen. Now, let me ask you this. This is more out of curiosity and, and because of knowing your ministry over the years than anything else. What takes a man, and I'm being very sincere with this question, what takes a man who's been all over the world and seen major miracles uh, in, within churches, uh, a lot of church settings? Now, I know you've done a lot of outreach uh, uh, over the years, but at this stage of your life and this stage of your ministry, why are you going back to the inner city? The inner city that I'm going back to is the result of one day I was preaching in Stockton, and I took an afternoon nap, and I had a dream, and it was pretty scary. It was so real, I didn't know if I was awake or asleep, but I literally was hovering over the state of California. The state of California is the most extreme polarity in America. It has the greatest capacity to destroy the nation. It has the deepest roots of moral revival of the 20th century. And this contradiction is not lost on me. I'm looking down, and all of a sudden I can see Highway 99 starts up at Red Bluff, ends 40 miles south of Bakersfield. And the Lord, it turned into a river. I'm looking down there, and this thing turns into a river. And... When the highway became a river, suddenly these trees appeared on either side. And he said, there's going to be healing all along this corridor. So I, I told the people that night, I said, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but here's what I saw. Well, Highway 99 has some of the most devastated cities in America. Stockton, Modesto, and uh, you, the list goes on and on. Fresno. Bakersfield, taken over by gangs and drugs, and 12,000 homeless people in Fresno alone. Wow. This is the most devastated area. It's a corridor of death, and the Lord said life is going to come there. So I thought, I told the people, and then I, I had already moved out of California to Reno. Well, then the Spirit of God said, that vision... Is why you got that tent. Wow. You're going to start in the north. You're going to work your way south. Well, we've done three of them so far. And one of them is the most impossible. Paradise, California was totally destroyed by fire. Yes, that's right. That fire, my friend, it was consuming the equivalent of six Costco's every 60 seconds. Wow. It destroyed 20,000 buildings. There was nothing left. The infrastructure was destroyed. And God said, you're going to paradise, California. 
I said, Lord, that is impossible. There's no water. There's no electricity. There's no people. He said, you're going there. Well, lo and behold, a week goes by. I get a call. One of the leading ladies of the city of paradise said, my husband is an anesthesiologist in Chico. And uh, I, I believe you're to bring your tent here. Well, we brought it. And I'm telling you, the glory of God filled that tent. And, and that was our second tent crusade. The first was in Marysville. We're like one out of every 12 buildings in that area is a crystal meth lab. Wow. And God began to save young men. One night, 16-year-olds, 18-year-olds, with their heads shaved, swastikas on the, on the side of their head, tattooed the name Hitler, sobbing at the altar, alongside of black... Latino, and and I looked up at, and the pastors were stunned. They're like, "What in the? This is impossible!" Wow. So now we're 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 heading to Fresno again. We're following 99 South, and the pastors are starting to line up. Something going on, brother. Something's going on. And, and, and Mario, in your book, you talk about how God is warring for our nation. What does that mean? Yes. Well, I, I believe that's why I'm in California. California is a rogue state with the power to destroy the country. True. And God has decided to roll up his sleeves, and he's telling the left, you're not going to have this nation without a fight. I'm going to pour out my spirit on the very people you're targeting. Inner city minorities are going to be the vanguard for a reformation in America. When I'm in the tent, I talk about the history of the United States. I get up there and I go, listen, this is what you heard in college. This is what you heard in school. That we're white supremacists, that we're liars, that America was founded on evil. I said, they're lying to you. They're lying to you because they're trying to take over this country. That's the voice. That's the message of this hour. The Holy Spirit is saying, America is going to turn back to me through the last people that you would ever expect. The very people, it's like the book of Esther, the gallows that Haman made for Mordecai is going to be used on him. And I really believe it. I believe even this current controversy about Baltimore, God is shining a light on the corruption in the inner city. That's right. Without miracles and signs and wonders, None of this is going to happen. And on that note right there, Mario, you talk in your book extensively, and now I see why, because how you are radically touched by the Holy Spirit at a young age is is the church, much of the church, is withholding the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you say that that is causing so many problems among our young people and, and so on and so forth. Talk about that. Okay, the devil seduced an entire generation of preachers. He, he dangled the large church in front of them. Ironically, in the book, I explain how when Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, that the devil offered him all the kingdoms of the world. Now, that was like chump change. Jesus had been at the right hand of the Father for eons, saw unspeakable glory. I'm sorry, but the world and the kingdoms of the world looked like a ghetto to the Lord. <laughs> but... Jesus was not tempted by having the kingdoms. He was tempted by the human side, which said, I love humanity so much 
this is a chance for me to control them, but I have to be under the thumb of Satan. That's so good. So ironically, what was the first thing to get out of the church growth movement was the preaching of the cross. And the reason it was is because they had said yes to what Jesus had said no. If you worship me, if you worship marketing, if you depend on big screens, skinny jeans, and fog machines, and somebody needs to write a country song, <laughs> exactly, you will see a large church. And the Holy Spirit was taken out. It was a modern crime. That's a section in the book called Modern Crimes Against the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is why there are 650 million Pentecostals. It's why a little uh, livery stable in downtown L.A. became a nuclear reactor to send missionaries around the world. Modern marketing is absolutely a sorry counterfeit to what we might have had if we had stayed in practical submission to the Holy Spirit. It sounds like you're advocating we got to get the Holy Spirit back into our churches, back into our preaching, back into our—even uh, in, in, in the uh, book, you talk about how it's so crystal clear in the book of Acts how, what happens when you receive the baptism. Exactly. And what's also crystal clear is how basically they depended on the Spirit for their tactics, their strategy. yes and their reactions to persecution. Yes, that really ministered to me uh, when you wrote about that, because we, we forget that Jesus uh, gave the Holy Spirit for us to function in this world while he went back to the Father. And that that's going to minister to a lot of people as they read that. And uh, Mario, I want to go back just a little bit. Um, what In 1978, uh, you were going through a lot in your life, and you got to the point where you feel felt like you were going to quit the ministry, you wanted to quit the ministry. What brought you to that point, and then what brought you out of that? I believe that that question needs to be answered because many who are listening and across the nation are going through the exact same thing. I know pastors are. A dispensation of God's grace was on me to reach radical university students at Berkeley, and then it lifted. And in the absence of that grace, I fell into a point of despair because I had no life. And what I thought was an attack of Satan was God recalibrating my destiny, moving me in a new direction. Mm. And the new direction was that I had a date with destiny in the city of San Francisco, where I was born and where I was raised. And so I quit. And I think you're referring to that phone call that I got. Yes, sir. Talk about that. I was throwing furniture around. Literally. Oh, God, I quit. I even wrote a letter of resignation. And I wrote it, Dear God, I quit. Signed, Mario Murillo. I spread it on my bed, upstairs bedroom. And I told God, I'm done. I'm finished. I can't. This can't. And, and the Lord said, I want you to wait on me for a moment before you quit. And I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I know how you work. You're going to give me a promise. And then you're going to put me through another trial because to make that promise look impossible. So I don't want to go through that again. And suddenly the Holy Spirit said, I will pour out my spirit on San Francisco, and the whole world will look and wonder. And it made me angry. So I, I told God, 
I said, that is the most cruel thing you've ever said to me. And I said, and I won't carry it. I refuse to carry it. And I said, if you want me to carry this, you're going to have to confirm it supernaturally right now. When the word now came out of my mouth, my phone started ringing. I picked it up, and the voice on the other end was vaguely recognizable. And uh, he said, is this Mario Murillo? And I said, yes. He said, this is Bob Dylan. Wow. And it was like, I'm going, okay, I have an associate that does impersonations. I said, Alan, this is a bad time. <laughs> and, and, uh, and Bob said, Alan, who's Alan? He said, no, this is Bob Dylan. And he said, I've been saved. Mm. And I want you to know that when he said that, it was like I was hearing it in an echo chamber. It was just like reverberating. You've been saved. And he said, the reason I'm calling you is two reasons. He said, number one, you said I was going to get saved in 1974 when you were preaching in Melody Land. And I found out about that. And he said, second, I'm going to do my first Christian concert at San Francisco Bay Area in the Warfield Theater. And I need a man of God because when I announce that I'm a Christian, my fans are going to go insane. And so we talked a little more, and he gave me two uh, passes to go backstage so I could pray. And then we were about to end, and he said, by the way, I've got to ask you a question. I said, what, Bob? He said, did God tell you he was going to pour out his spirit on San Francisco? Mm. And I I'm, I'm can't breathe. I said, uh, recently? And he said, well, Mario, it's true. It's going to happen. And that was it. And that's how we ended up, by a miracle, renting the 16,000-seat Cow Palace Arena. 14,000 people showed up. They said that 2,000 souls came forward that day. Wow. It was a harvest that that city had never seen. Wow. And by the way, that prophetic word is still hanging out there. We've seen the first wave. But I believe that even San Francisco is going to shock the world. I believe that as well. And, and Mario, you talk about uh, not just the San Francisco, of course, there's going to be a mighty move there, but there's a national awakening coming. Talk about that. Across the nation, the devil has overplayed his hand. The way we know that hurricanes are coming is there's a massive drop in air pressure. Barometric pressure falls. And nature is created by God to fill a vacuum. And that's how the hurricanes happen. Well, the hurricane is among our young people. It's among millennials. Millennials are turning against abortion. They are having right now the lowest divorce rate that we've seen in modern history. They're questioning the right things. And, the re and when you tell, when you stand up in front of millions of young people and say, don't believe in God, and don't pray, and don't read the Bible, you're turning Christianity into contraband, which for the youth culture, it's an inevitable curiosity. What is this? What are you talking about? Now, I want to tell you that millennials are very confusing because they're equally disgusted by what they feel are corrupt preachers as much as they are 
put off by radical leftists. Uh, and so we have a unique situation. God is going to fill a vacuum. I remember in the Jesus movement, this happened. The Lord had to help young pastors get over the idea of kids with long hair and no shoes walking in their church. And at first in California, they were all turned away, except for one man, Chuck Smith, right, Costa Mesa, in the middle of a bean field, in a little church, Calvary Chapel, something happened and exploded. And David Wilkerson, my hero, was coming every month to Orange County and preaching at Melody Land. And suddenly, thousands upon thousands of young people began to be saved. Those outbreaks are starting already. Already, we're seeing radical new young voices come up. They don't fit any mold. They didn't go to any seminary. They just have one element in common. They've been ruined by God, separated by God, and they're starting to speak what the Spirit of God tells them to speak. The wise, older generation will link hearts with these, will love on them and release them, like getting the grave clothes off of Lazarus. And and it's going to happen. And I believe the Lord caused me to write this book as, as essentially a handbook to be able to have the older generation embrace the new thing God's doing and help the younger generation not to get soaked up in arrogance and pride, but to understand that timeless truth, that they're walking into a legacy. And these two combining forces, the positive attitude of the new school, the welcoming attitude of the old school, is going to save our country. I feel that even as you're talking. And, and Mario, you talk in your book about separating ourselves unto God, and, and the Holy Spirit is drawing us closer to Himself. And what does that mean in, in this 21st century where there's so many social media and cell phones and just so so much to distract us these days? How does somebody who who earlier you were talking about being a vessel of fire, being a vessel of glory, how do we begin to separate ourselves unto God to begin to be used by God and be filled with His Spirit? You know, the most amazing thing is if you link two verses in the Bible that seemingly have nothing to do with each other, have everything to do with each other. In Mark chapter 6, verse 55, Jesus steps out of the boat, having finished the worst healing service in his history in his hometown, crosses the lake to the other side, getting ready to have the very best miracle crusade he ever had, where thousands were healed. In fact, it said everyone was. And when he got out of the boat, the Bible says the people recognized him. They were electrified. They made the connection. Here's who has just come. And that separated them from all other thinking. Christ has overwhelmed me. Christ is the cancer-healing, devil-busting, revealing of the Father, glory of God, provider that I have waited for. He is all in all. He's everything I need. And their first reaction is, who needs to receive this miracle? They began, and they ran, began to carry others to wherever they heard he was. Now look at Daniel eleven thirty two. 32. 
that that same golden triangle, those three points are there. It says they recognized Jesus, they ran, and began to carry others wherever he was. Here's what Daniel said. The people who know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. The catalytic power is this. There are people listening right now who, if you will overcome this one fear, you will be involved in deep acts of God. It is the fear of money. When a pastor doesn't any longer fear his tithers, when he no longer believes that his source is any man or any person, and someone listening realizes, my salary is not what sustains me. I am provided for by God. That immediately not only opens up time, opens up flexibility, it makes you a candidate for the very special words from the Lord. And God ruins you to other things. Suddenly, your passion, and, and people love to think of this as a new process, but it's been timeless, classic. You meet any man of God or woman of God, greatly used. If you could sit down and eyeball to eyeball talk to Catherine Kuhlman, Oral Roberts, uh, Pat Robertson, any of the people who have been fundamentally used of God in this time, Sid Roth, you talk to them and they all identify a moment when suddenly step one was I had to overcome fear. God told me to do this great work. There was no money for it. There was no opportunity for it. But I was possessed by the vision of God. And Paul said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. The thing we got to get over is that it's for ordained ministers. That's like 10% of the people God is using in this hour are ordained ministers. I totally agree with that, and I've been sharing and preaching that same thing. You know, everybody's called to carry the presence and be used by God. And on that note, Mario, you you talk about how we need to know our assignment. There's many people listening that would, amen, I'm with you, Mario. I, I want to be separate unto God. I, I want to quit living for myself. But how do I know I'm a, I'm a school teacher, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a plumber, I'm a whatever, uh, how— how do I know my assignment? What am I called to do? Because I want to be used by God. First is identity. Uh, I love the Purpose Driven Life book. I've got no complaints, but I do believe it had an unintended collateral damage because it made people think, I got to pursue my individual purpose. And that sounds right. But imagine a kid in the Marine Corps saying to their drill instructor, he says, why did you join the Marine Corps? He said, I'm here to find my purpose. And the first thing the sergeant would scream at him is, you have no purpose. <laughs> what you have is an individual assignment within the purpose. Now, think about that from the biblical point. For this purpose was the Son of God revealed that he might destroy the works of the devil. We are assigned to destroy the works of the devil. Every person listening to me will find their assignment in God through the compassion that rises up in their spirit. Modern ministry has been poisoned by career-oriented braggadocia. In other words, I want to do something big for God. I want to make a lot of money for God. I want to do... 
and they don't want to destroy evil. They don't want to understand that the gifts of the Spirit are germinated in compassion. And you will know the secret to your assignment by what moves your heart the deepest. One day I was watching TV, and they showed the riots in Berkeley. I looked at them, and I couldn't stop weeping. And I knew that compassion was birthing my assignment. David Wilkerson, he watched television. He saw that this gang of kids had killed a handicapped young man, and it ruined him. He made a commitment to pray one hour a night. And, it, and, and he had to go to New York. Now, let's keep that. Here, here's our models of today. You own a bakery. You own a, a business. Somewhere within that business, you've got to start to realize what I do professionally is a front to my real occupation. I am a destroyer of the works of the devil. Come on now. You know, a teacher might say, well, I can't say a lot. Listen, the Holy Spirit is filled with wisdom. Luke 21, I'll give you a mouth and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to gainsay nor resist. The Spirit of God will come upon you with tactics. Spirit of God will give you an invention. The Spirit of God will give you specific opportunities. And church needs to become a, a center. Sunday morning has got to be revolutionized. And the thrill has got to be restored. When people come back and suddenly they go, I am not here to survive my week. This is not my Christian happy hour. This is where I get equipped by the power of the Spirit to go out and destroy the works of the devil. And when the teaching and the training is altered, and suddenly the five-fold gifts of God are used to do the coaching. I mean, pastors need to be like Nick Saban. They need to tell the young man, you can be a champion. You can do this. But by the Spirit, to be able to unlock mysteries, tactics, and strategies. And suddenly, there will be power released in the land. And and I also want to address preaching itself, but I I've taken too long. I'm... <laughs> no, this is good. Hey, let me let me ask you this. We have uh, about five minutes left, uh, and we do we definitely want you to pray for the people at home. Mario, you've been in the ministry a long time. What what would you say? And and I don't mean to ask this question in the. Uh, expecting a superficial response, but what is, from your perspective, and you talk about this in your book, the price today of God's miracle-working power to flow through each one of us? Because it's a promise. Uh, Jesus said that to go on to all the world and preach the gospel, cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, and uh, freely you have received, freely give. So to me, those are promises that we're supposed to see the fruit of our walk with God. So in, in your heart, what is the price to flow in God's miracle-working power? I'm going to say it real concisely. If I were to call you, Ryan, on the phone, and I said, Ryan, I'm coming over to your house, and I've got a couch, I've got a house full of furniture, I've got a gigantic television for you, I've got everything you could ever need in a house, but I want you to do me a favor. 
my stuff that I'm bringing you is so superior to what you own that the only way you can receive what I'm bringing is for you to put all your stuff out on the street. Get rid of your couch, get rid of your chairs, get rid of your pots, pans, get rid of everything in your house because it's going to be replaced. When the preaching of modern preachers began to be about braggadocia, entitlement, self-emptying is the key to supernatural power. Self-emptying, the self-life has got to be overwhelmed. The crucifixion of Christ has got to become, you know, the lame walk, the blind see, the deaf hear at the foot of the cross. That's where it all begins. When God sees brokenness and he sees empty, an emptying of self, he's going to flood that person with things they can't even imagine. Why is that necessary? Why is Jesus insisting that except a seed fall into the ground and die, it abides alone? But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Because this is a very heady and powerful thing to have supernatural power. But Mario, let me ask you this. Your analogy was was beautiful. I'm going to have to steal it and run with it uh, in my own time. But it's my stuff— compared to his stuff. So many people, Mario, are emotionally attached, using your example, to their stuff. And I I don't mean that always in a bad way. They've always done it this way. They've always had this in their home. They've always been this kind of church member or Christian. How do you break free from that uh, attachment to to that uh, to my stuff, who I am, my emotions, my will, my desire. How do I break free from that to to invite all his stuff in? The way you break free is you look at Paul's example, because his stuff was the Old Testament law. He believed that his entire happiness, his salvation, his life after death was tied to his successfully obeying the edicts of Judaism. Right. And suddenly Christ says, let that go and trust in what I did on the cross to make you righteous. The false part is, is that cheap grace says, well, God paid for everything we could do. No. You know, the song says, amazing grace, right? It says, it was grace that taught my heart to fear. I've preached this. I said, why didn't grace teach your heart to fear? Why didn't it break you until you finally sat there and realized, I've got to live my life with more zeal than an Old Testament Judaizer because I have got to love God with all my heart Mm. in gratitude for what he has done for me. If grace leads you in your mind to immorality, you didn't find grace. Grace teaches you to fear. And then it says, in grace, my fear relieved. So to to your point, and to make it quick, everyone needs to understand that they will receive power in self-emptying and in allowing themselves to let go. And God has never um, alleviated that point of faith. He's He's not going to give you a narcotic to help you make the transition. <laughs> it's your blood.
blindness to the idea that right now, if I let go of this, God's going to give me something better. Right. Because it's all about one thing, my friend, Ryan. It's all hanging on one thing, the character of God. The Bible is the Word of God, final judge and jury of our walk in God. But it is the character of God that created that Bible. We have to know, God, you are faithful and trustworthy, and I can give you my all and never regret it. Mario, that is so good. And and before you pray, tell the people at home again, you have your, your brand new book, Vessels of Glory and Fire, and you did an exclusive three CD set for us, Your Supernatural Calling. What What is this resource going to do for the people at home? I really believe that first, the book will explain to you your frustration. The book will identify what you've been afraid to say about modern church. And the book will chart a course for you to understand your place in history. God didn't punish you by putting you in the 21st century. He's honoring you. And he's got something special for you to do. And since there is so much counterfeiting of how to understand the voice of God and direction, the devil fought the creation of this book like nothing I've ever seen. And it will guide you into being a useful vessel, a powerful vessel of fire and glory. And the three CD set that you did for us, you talk about within that CD set your supernatural calling. And we talked a lot about that on this program, how you can know your assignment. Everybody is called. You're going to be mightily impacted by this CD set. Mario prays over you, prays a fire of God on you. In fact, Mario, could you close us out in prayer even now? My God... And my father, I don't believe that anyone is listening to this by accident. I believe that, Lord, there's someone right now who's going to write a book that the world has never seen before. Start a church like no one has ever seen before. Invent something. Create something. Involve themselves in politics, medicine, education. And the first step is this. They need to know how much you love them. You love them too much to let them live a lesser life. You love them too much to let them paddle around in the kiddie pool. You're yanking them, Lord, from Sesame Street back to Azusa Street. And I believe, Lord, that they'll be better for it, and they'll have peace, and their body will be healed, and their life will be touched. I thank you for this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you've been listening to Messianic Vision with our guest, Mario Morello. And now here's Sid to tell you how you can get this special resource. Mario Morello wants to mentor you on how you can be set on fire, filled with God's glory, bring heaven to earth, and do the greater works of Jesus in his brand new book, Vessels of Glory and Fire, an exclusive three-CD set, Your Supernatural Calling. Mario wants to break off the power of the enemy that has been hindering you from moving forward in your calling and release a blessing over you to pursue what God has called you to do. Call now for Mario's brand new book, Vessels of Glory and Fire, an exclusive three CD set, Your Supernatural Calling, for an investment of 35 U.S. dollars. To order, call 
1-800-447-2697. That's 1-800-447-2697. Or go to our website at sidroth.org. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H dot O-R-G. Mario Morello's brand new book, Vessels of Glory and Fire, an exclusive three CD set, Your Supernatural Calling. Offer a number 9658 for an investment of 35 US dollars. Be sure to ask for offer number 9658. Once again, that's offer number 9658.